It absolutely blows my mind that in this room last Friday night were 922 women and girls here to celebrate a life in Christ. Blows my mind that almost 100 teenagers were here this weekend to celebrate. Y'all messed me up when I was watching y'all worship. I mean, I nearly had to appoint one of you to come on up here because it was, I was just watching you guys in the spirit and I'm going, okay, that's what we're supposed to be here for. So thanks. Today we start a brand new series called Easter People. And yes, it's going to take us all the way to Easter and then the week after as well. And if you were just to look at it on paper, you'd go, okay, this is like a biography thing, right? We're going to look at characters and their stories, and and okay, that's cool. We can learn some lessons. But that's not really where I want to go. Yes, we're going to look at Lazarus, and we're going to look at Nicodemus and Barabbas, uh, the disciples at the Last Supper. Uh, We'll look at the disciples after the resurrection, all of that We'll look at all the things that happened with them, but the focus that I want us on both for the people that we read about, but also for us, is the transformation part, the part that Lazarus was touched by a voice, transformed, the part that Nicodemus was wrestling with his own cynicism and and what would people think, that the uh, Malchus was a, a, a young man who was just caught up in, in a narrative, and, and all of a sudden he's face-to-face with Jesus. And so people that maybe some you've heard of, maybe some you haven't, but the story in the story is that their lives were touched by Jesus, that they were, they were never the same. They were transformed. They were something, and then they were something else. They were dead. They were back to life. They were in darkness. They're in light. And so today I want to talk about Lazarus, who was transformed by a voice. So when I was thinking about the title of this message, my original title was Dead Man Walking. The, the song we sang, and, and most of you know, if you've got just a bit of the bizarre, that that phrase is from Death Row. There was a movie made uh, a decade or so ago by... Uh, about a, a man who was on death row in Louisiana and Angola, and he was befriended by a nun, Sister Helen Prejean, and and she became his spiritual advisor. and And, and the the movie was called Dead Man Walking, because in death row, when somebody's on their way to the execution place or on their way, then then you'd hear some of the other inmates, dead man walking. Because there's no hope. There's, there's no outcome for that person that's going to be positive, at least in this life. There's, they're, they're, they're not coming back. That's a one-way trip. And it feels like in our stories in Easter people, we encounter a lot of people that don't feel like they have any hope. A lot of people that feel like it's a one-way trip. Maybe it's relational. Maybe it's job Maybe it's addiction, maybe it's a, a, a divorce, maybe it's a, a, a family drama, maybe it's a, a medical diagnosis. 
And in so many people, there's this, this sense that, that we're just going through the motions. It's a one-way trip down the hall. There's, there's not a way to come back from that. And in all the stories of Easter people, I think we're going to find something different. So here's what I want you to see. Lazarus was transformed by a voice. And he had to leave his grave clothes behind. The yellow piece of paper, it's going to make sense in just a little bit. What I'm going to ask you to do is write a name on it, initials on it, and that becomes a prayer request for us throughout the week. We're going to do this throughout the series, and and if you hear something in one of the songs that reminds you of somebody who needs prayer in that specific area, if you hear something from the Scripture that reminds you uh, that you yourself need prayer in that area, and and if you're watching us online, all you need to do is email or or get in contact with the digital pastor. He's Gary. Dr. Gary is, is watching online, and he'll be able to process your prayer requests in the same way that we're going to process them here in the room. We're going, to, we're going to just keep on adding them to the cross over the course of the series and just let us be reminded that there is prayer going on. So Easter people, Jesus changed lives on His way to the cross. I want to tell you a story about the dead man that's walking because this literally was a dead man that walked again. And I'm going to tell you kind of the story from Scripture. It's from John chapter 11. John chapter 11, it concerns, it also contains the shortest verse in the Bible. We'll do some Scripture memory here in a little bit. But uh, John chapter 11, and the story tells us that six days before the Passover, so we're approaching the Holy Week in in our stories as well, that Jesus went to a town called Bethany where Lazarus was. Okay, we, we've already kind of met this family. There's Mary and Martha who are the sisters. Lazarus is the brother. And they are apparently kind of Jesus' best friends in terms of a family. That's, that's where he stayed whenever he was in Jerusalem. He stayed at their house. If you've ever been to Jerusalem or, or known anybody that's been to Jerusalem, they always take a picture in the same place. There's a group of people that are smiling, with, and then behind them is a gold dome. They're standing about at Bethany. It's about two miles east of Jerusalem. And so if you've ever seen a picture of a group that went, you probably saw them standing where he was. Okay. So then it gives us a little bit of backstory. That's where they gave him a dinner. Martha served. Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table. Then it tells us the story of how Mary, one of the sisters, anointed Jesus' feet with perfume. Not really sure why John tells the story here because he's going to spend a whole chapter talking about it in chapter 12. But he just wants to set the table for us and make sure we understand who he's talking about. So, now he is helping us to understand that the sisters needed Jesus because Lazarus got sick. So, Lazarus, we don't know what he was sick with. We just know that it was probably a terminal illness, and they had to send for Jesus. Well, where was he? Well, if you back up a little bit into chapter 10, you'll 
see that the things in Jerusalem were getting a little dicey for Jesus, and He had to leave for a while because it wasn't yet time for Him to be crucified. It wasn't time yet. It wasn't God's time. So He took the disciples and He left, probably went to a place called Bethany beyond the Jordan, which is where He was baptized. So it was, a, it was a east of the Jordan River. He was away from uh, the, the, the immediate pressure. The disciples probably breathed a big sigh of relief. And yet, when Lazarus got sick, they had to send word from, for him and say, hey, your, your, your friend is sick. And the implication was, you've healed a lot of people. Why don't you come heal him? Right? You, you've made blind people see and deaf people hear and lame people walk and leprous people have clean skin. So why don't you come and do a little Jesus stuff and make Lazarus better? And so that word came to him and the disciples said, you know, it's kind of dangerous to go back to Jerusalem. That's where they were trying to kill us. Jesus said, well, I'll tell you what let's do. Let's wait a couple of days. What? Wait a couple of days and then we'll head on back. And Thomas, being Thomas, he said, no worries, let's all go die together. Verse 16. I'm not making it up, it's here. So, it was pretty plain that Lazarus was dead. I, I, I happen to think he was probably dead by the time the messenger even got to Jesus, because if you kind of do the math, when he got back, it said he'd been dead for four days. It's a day's journey walking. It's about 25 miles, and that was about a day's walk for these guys. And so, taking a messenger a day to walk there, Jesus said, let's wait two days, a day to walk back. By the time that he got back, they said he'd been dead four days. He was dead by the time the messenger even got there. So, what's this whole story even about? Glad you asked that question. It's about a dead man who began to walk again. Let's explore the story just a little bit. The worst part of all that was the confusion. That's the worst part of when we're in a situation where we don't feel like there's any hope, right? It's the worst part of when we're not sure how a story is going to end. Our, our fate is in someone else's hands. It's, a, it's in the, the judge's hands. It's in the attorney's hands. It's in the business person's hands, the landlord's hands. It's, it's out of our control. And Mary and Martha and I guess even Lazarus as he was dying, he, he, they, they knew there was nothing they could do, so they kept calling out for somebody who, could, who was beyond themselves, who, who can help us, who, who can speak into my hopelessness. Well, the voice that spoke, spoke life. I want you to see a, a verse. We, we sort of started into the story the messengers uh, got there. Verse 5 tells us that, uh, uh, verse 3, the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, the one you love is ill. And because it was the sisters, it was obvious they were talking about Lazarus. But listen to this. When Jesus heard that, he said, this illness will not lead to death. All the signs were pointing towards death. All the signs were pointing towards hopelessness. Everything about the circumstances, there is not a way out of this. There is not a, a positive resolution to this. Everything about that, and I don't know, if, if, I, if I hear the words, my finances are in a mess, my relationships are in a mess, my health is in a mess, if I hear somebody who's supposed to have authority, a doctor, a finance person, if I hear somebody say, 
it's going to be okay. That's a powerful statement. Powerful statement. And the, the sisters are watching their brother die, and, and the disciples are, are trying to figure all this out. And he says to them, this illness will not lead to death. Now, they had no way of, of knowing what kind of death he was talking about. That, that's going to unfold a little bit in the story, but, but, but these powerful, powerful words of hope, and, and he keeps going. Then after he said this to the disciples, he, after he stayed a couple of days, uh, why did he stay? Wait a minute. This illness does not lead to death. Verse 4, it is for the glory of God. It's for the glory of God. I'm going to stay where I am. I'm going to make sure he's really dead. I'm going to make sure that there is no chance that anybody will ever see that a human did any of this. This is for the glory of God. We're learning that and experiencing God this week as we're, as we're trying to unfold. A lot of you are in small groups, and, and the, the thing that's hardest to trust God for is the thing that only God can do. God, help me succeed in this, this merger, this acquisition that I've already got way down the road. The paperwork's already. All we've got to do is sign it. God, would you just bless it? That's not hard. But to bless Him, for, to, to trust Him for healing, to trust Him that, 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 that something can live when it was dead, that, that a job can be saved, that a marriage can be saved, that, a, that recovery can take place, that, that the, these things that seem so far beyond human comprehension, let alone human ability to fix it. Blackley says the hardest thing to do is to trust God for that which only God can do. And so these words of hope, he says, let's go to Judea. Let's, let's go see what we can do. The disciples said, oh, they're trying to kill you there. He said, we're okay. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, and I'm going to go awaken him. Disciples, ever the pragmatists, they said, well, if he's just asleep, He's going to wake up eventually. And he said, well, let me say this a different way. He's dead. <laughs> He's just really dead. And so they go back to Jerusalem and Bethany, the town just outside of Jerusalem. And he says this in verse 15, and for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there so that you may believe. There's this, this sequence that takes place. The illness does not lead to death. Then Jesus said, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there, so you might believe. A little later on, Jesus says to Martha, I'm the resurrection, the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, he shall live. Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Powerful, powerful words, vocabulary, semantics, a, a language of hope in the face of hopelessness. Why hopelessness? Why, why, why is there such hopelessness? Well, it's unmet expectations. You think about all the people in the story, and I, and I, I mentioned most of them, Mary, Martha, Lazarus, the disciples, maybe the messenger, all of them had expectations. Now, let's kind of visit that for us for a minute. What do we expect when we 
pay our bills? What do we expect when we fix our dinner? What do we expect when we do the right thing? What do we expect when we apply for a job? What do we expect when we go to counseling? What do we expect when we, it usually ends up with a phrase something like this, well, this is what I thought would happen. This is the way I thought it would turn out. Well, I just kind of figured that and, and that voice is an expectation. I just figured if I'd work hard, things would go well. I, I just figured that if I respect somebody, they'll respect me, do unto others and all that. I just figured that. I just expected that. I just assumed that. And our expectations unfold. And when what we expected does in the way we picture it, and disappointment always camps out. I just figured they'd ask me out. I just figured that it would turn out okay. I just figured that if I worked hard, I wouldn't lose my job. I just figured. And when our expectations are unmet, that's where in this Scripture we see the disappointment. Mary, if you had only been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Martha, if you'd only been here, my brother wouldn't have died. The disciples figuring they'd finally got away from all the, the, the nuttiness of Jerusalem. They were, they were in the wilderness. They were kind of taking it easy. They just kind of figured that everything was going to be okay. They were going to get some rest. And now all of a sudden, Jesus is saying, let's go back to Judea. And they were kind of, well, I kind of figured that we'd stay here and not get killed. Just kind of figured that if you would speak on Lazarus' behalf, that he'd get well. We just, we just kind of figured unmet expectations. There's a lot of statements that Jesus made even in this story. But when he had the conversation with Martha, he said, do you believe your brother's going to live again? Do you believe he's going to be okay? I mean, you're asking me for him to be okay. Do you think he's going to be okay? I mean, he's dead. Do you, do you believe that he can live again? And she gave the Sunday school answer, right? Oh, I believe that in the final days that all of us will have resurrection bodies and, and we'll all be okay. But that wasn't what he was asking. He said, do you believe that he can live today? She said, I believe that anything you say can happen. And he answered her with this, I'm the resurrection and the life. Resurrection is not an event, it's a person. Life is not an event, it's a person. Jesus said a bunch of these. They're called the I am statements in the Scripture. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. Here's probably the most powerful of all of them. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. I am life. I am death. I am darkness. I am light. I am the one who brings hope out of hopelessness. I am the one who makes a dead man who's walking live again. Now, she was a little slow to the uptake, and that's why he needed a little compassion. This is the Scripture memory part of our program. So if you would, get your Bible or your swipey thing. Martha says, I believe you're the Christ. Verse 28, when she had said this, she went and called her sister. Went and called her sister Mary. She said to her in private, the teacher's here is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly. She went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come to the village. He was still out a ways. And 
where Martha met him, and Mary went to meet him. And when she got to Jesus, she fell at his feet, and she said, unmet expectation, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come to her also weeping, he was deeply moved. He saw the grief of all these people. That deeply moved phrase is used twice. It's, one, it's used there in verse 33. It's used again in verse 38. There is a, a compassion that's oozing away right here that, that's notable. He sees all these people grieving, and he grieves with them. And he said, show me where he is. They said, come and see. Let's memorize some scripture together. John eleven thirty five. 35, say it with me. Jesus wept. See how we've moved the needle in scripture memory here in Dunwoody Baptist Church? You've, you've all memorized a Bible verse right here, right now. Jesus wept. Well, why was he weeping? He was certainly weeping over the grief, certainly weeping over what was going on. Then Jesus deeply moved again came to the, the, the cave, the tomb, and so he was weeping. I wonder if there's another reason that he was weeping. Sometimes we forget that the relationship is the story, right? He's, he's not weeping over life and death. He knew that he could bring him back to life. So, yes, he was weeping over his friend's death, and he was weeping over the, the reaction to all these people, but I think there's another reason he was weeping, and it's kind of hinted in the prayer he prays in just a minute. He said, where have you laid him? Jesus wept. The Jews said, see how he loved them. His miracles are flowing from compassion. But I wonder if Jesus was weeping because they just didn't get it. You know, when he prays his prayer in just a moment, before he raises Lazarus from the dead, he says, God, I'm praying that you'll hear me, but you always hear me. The real reason I'm praying out loud is so all of these other people can hear me pray to you and believe in the reason I was sent. He was praying after he was weeping and his weeping had two edges to it. He's weeping because all these people are sad in the presence of hopelessness. I, I, I know that God moves in circumstances, but I get sad when I see people who are just so depressed, so anxious in the midst of their hopelessness. So he, he, he wept over that. But he was also weeping because they didn't realize he had the authority to speak into this situation. If only you would cry out to God. He asked Martha, he said, do you believe your brother can live again? Yeah, I believe he will have eternal life. No, no, no. Do you believe I can speak with relevance into circumstances of today? Do you believe I can bring life out of death, light out of darkness? When we baptize, we say, you are buried with Christ. You are raised to walk in newness of life. You are dead. You are living. The, the shirt says, raised to walk. Do you believe that there is a God who is bigger than your hopelessness, bigger than your dead man walking, bigger than this? Do you believe in why I came, says Jesus?
So then he prays his prayer, and he speaks to his heavenly Father, and then he has him roll the tomb away, roll the stone away from the tomb. There's sort of a, a comedy interlude here. Picture this with me. Martha is doing all this spiritual talk. Oh, I believe that he could live again in the resurrection day. Roll the stone away. Oh, that's a problem. You know, it's the first century. We don't embalm. He, he's going to stink. Four days dead, decomposition. You know how that works. It's just nasty. We did the best we could with perfume and stuff, but he, you really want to do that? All of this, whatever you say, Jesus, it's going to happen. We believe. We believe in life. We believe in you. We believe in... Roll the stone away. Ew. That? He rolls the stone away, or they did, and he says, okay, Lazarus, it's time to come out. It's time to come out. Now, I don't know how I feel about heaven, but... I don't know if I've already gone to heaven, if I would have said, Jesus, really? It's better here. But he said, come out. And then the next thing he had to say was to other people unbind him. So he was still wrapped up like a mummy. So he kind of did the penguin shuffle out of the grave. And then Jesus said something important. He said, take his grave clothes off. Did you ever read that closely? He didn't say that to Lazarus. He said that to the church. <laughs> he, he didn't say to Lazarus, you take away all of the things that brought you death, all of the things that represent death, all of your bad habits, all of your, your former uh, uh, preferences, maybe some friendships, maybe a job, maybe a circumstance. He didn't say to Lazarus, you get rid of all of that. He said to everybody else, you guys help him. Unbind him. And it's a profound word to the church. That when we are walking alongside of people who are dead, walking alongside of people who are hopeless, walking alongside of people who are anxious, who are in grief, who are in addiction, who are in depression, walking alongside of people, the, the instructions to the church is you guys help them get their grave clothes off. Because when you cross over from death to life, from darkness to light, when you cross over, there's a lot of learning to do. And you need the church to help you. The instruction was to the church. But there's two kind of things that are going on here. End of the story. When Jesus says, unbind him and let him go. He was dead. And a voice woke him up. For many students this week, for children at the True Girl Conference, 
summer camps, for some of you in your experiencing God groups, there is a, a sense that something is nudging you to wake up, that something that you've been doing is not working anymore, some relationship, some habit, some job, some something is not working for you anymore, and the Holy Spirit is kind of nudging you with a voice saying, come on out of there, come on out of that, that way of thinking, come on out of that way, come on out of that habit, it's time for you to be unbound, to leave your grave clothes behind and do something else. And Blackaby is telling us that when we have that crisis of belief, our, our response is, is obedience. Our response is to say, I don't know how it's going to work out. Well, guess what? I gave you the church to help you be unbound. Well, how do I know? All these words about resurrection, that's pretty fantastic stuff. Well, look at how Jesus transformed him. He waited, he wept, and he won. He waited for God's time. And it could very well be that what you're in the middle of right now is something you need to be in the middle of right now. James said it this way, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and when that has its way in you, you will be in the place that God wants you to be. It's the trial that matures you. It's the fire that refines you. It may be that you need to be exactly where you are, and Jesus is waiting on God's time. But don't miss that He's weeping. That he's grieving over the pain that it causes us. He's, he's weeping over the, the, our inability to understand his bigger plan. He is weeping over all the same things he wept about in John chapter 11. But don't miss that he won. Don't miss that he said to Martha, I am the resurrection. I am the life. Who believes in me, though he die, he will live again. He has promised us eternity. He has promised us hope. He has promised us assurance. He has promised us transformation. And sometimes we just need a little help to be unbound, to leave the grave closed behind, and live again. Would you pray with me? The yellow card that you have is designed for you to engage in prayer over this very thing. Maybe you know somebody who needs to be unbound. Their habits, their, their former life is just holding them back. Maybe it's you. Maybe you need life from death. Maybe you've never accepted Christ. Maybe you've never followed Him in in baptism, maybe you've never been uh, uh, publicly declared, I'm a follower of Christ. Write your own name. And if you want to put a phone number there, somebody will contact you this week. If you don't, don't. Write code, write a, draw a picture, write initials. God knows who you're talking about. But what we want to do is to pray this transformation with a voice over anybody that needs it. And you know better than anybody else. It's your friend. It's your relative. It's your coworker. We're going to have a prayer. I'm going to pray. And then we're going to sing. And during that song, if you'd like to, you can drop those yellow cards in the basket that's right here at the foot of the cross. If you don't want to do that, there's baskets on your way out.
But I'd like there to be this moment where we say we want this transformation that really took place in this guy named Lazarus and everybody that was around him. We want that transformation to be in us as well. And to the people that we want to lift up, we want to send messengers to Jesus to say, come help them. They're sick. Father, thanks for the day. Thanks for the scripture, the stories of people who are transformed. Guide us in this time and God, the names that are already on the cross from the 830 service, I just bring those before you. The names that are on the lives and hearts of people that are going to bring those to you. I pray for those. We, we struggle with this belief just like they did in the story. We know that you have to say to your heavenly Father, Jesus, we know that you have to say, I, I pray these things not for my benefit, but so that everybody hearing them could believe in the reason I was saved. God, help us to grab onto that. We trust you. And these names we're writing down, whether they're our own or somebody else's, we are laying them at your feet to say, you do the change, you do the transformation, because we can't change ourselves. And this is my prayer in Jesus' name.